0: Good morning. All of you don't get excited. I'm just doing the sermon for kids, okay? You'll have to wait until next opportunity. Today uh, Father Larry will preach in for you. Oh. Hey, Bud, how are you? Oh. How's everybody doing? Good. Good. All right, let me ask you a question. Have you ever been invited to a party? Yes. Do you like parties? Yeah. Had you ever had a party that you invite a lot of people and you make all your preparations, you get all the food, the music, the magician, everything ready, you send the invitations. Nowadays, you send it to, to the computer, right? And you send the invitations and, uh, and, and, oh yeah, thank you. And you send the invitations to everybody and everybody start replying to you. Yeah, I'll be there, I'll be there, I'll be there, right? Does that ever happen to you? And then when the time of the party comes, nobody showed up, shows up. How do you feel about it? Does that ever happen? Did it ever happen to you? No, never, never? How will you feel about it? Sad, it, it's sad right? Yeah. Sad, because yeah. you're preparing, you're, you're having all the things getting ready and you're all excited to see everybody and then nobody's gonna be at the door. That, that's a very, sad feeling you know one time i had a um a celebration actually i was doing a wedding and the couple didn't want to do it at the church that that i was uh, working because it was so small so they decided to rent this huge church they paid thousands thousands of dollars for that church and they also got a limousine and they had a uh, a, a band that was going to play during the service and when we start the and the photographer, yes, and the photographer, and when it was like five minutes before we start the service, nobody was there. But the reason was because they sent the wrong, wrong address to everybody so people end up going to a different church. That was bad. But you know what our gospel today talks about a wedding that we're invited to. It says that the Lord, Jesus Christ talks about parable where he says that a, a, there's a king that is preparing a, a wedding for his son. And he's inviting everybody. He's expecting everybody to come. So he sends his servants outside to go and find people. And nobody comes. Nobody shows up at the, uh, at the wedding. Then he sends another invitation. And again, nobody responds. And they start making excuses. Oh, I got things to do. I, I, I got more important things to do. So I'm, I'm not, they, they didn't show up. And then he sends another invitation. He sends his servants again. And they found one person... That was ready for the celebration. But when the king saw him, he says, "What are you doing? You're not besting on the right with the right robes." Apparently, he was not dressed up for the for the occasion. So the king got so mad that he says, "You know what? Go tie them out from legs and hands and throw them away." I'm not going to use the other word because it's kind of ugly. But so he he told us that he told he told that to 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 do with the guy. But. We're invited to that wedding, and we need to be ready for that wedding. But the first, first, first of all, we have to respond to who? We have to respond to God that will be at the wedding. Who's, whose wedding is going to be that? Jesus' wedding, right? And we're going to be prepared for it. So how do we prepare ourselves to be at the wedding? We're going to do prayers, yes. There's one very important that we have to go with the right vestments. And you know what that one is? The best man of asking for forgiveness. So we're going to tell Jesus that we're sorry for our wrongdoings. And in that way, we're going to be ready to be at the wedding of his son. Right? So are we going to do that? Yes? I want you to meditate on that, okay? So every day we're going to do our prayers. And we're going to tell Jesus and God how sorry we are for our wrongdoings. With the promise that we're going to try not to do it again. Okay? And if we do it, and if we continue to do it, we're going to say like Paul... Rejoice, rejoice. We're going to be rejoicing because we're invited to the wedding and they're going to let us in right away, like a VIP. Cool? I think I did my job, did I? Not as good as the guy that always sits over here, but kind of, right? Yeah, it's hard to fit these standards, right? <laughs> well, meditate on that, okay? Good. If you want to stay here, uh, get a packet over there, and if not, um, service. service. both services. Just stay here. <laughs> Thank you. In
1: the name of the Father, <clears throat> the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, first of all, uh, from the obvious absence of our rector, Father Stan. Uh, just wants so you know, he's not sick. I heard some rumor that he's from some ministry somewhere with, I don't know, chasing some balls around, but we'll see. Uh, I'm sure it's a well-deserved rest that he needs. Uh, so today, actually, I'd like to welcome Canon Aaron, who, which will be a permanent fixture here in November sometime, and welcome to be with us. Uh, today you're going to get a, maybe a triple header because Father Oscar had quite a sermon here and you're going to get bored with it because I'm going to cover it again. But uh, I was asked to actually introduce the uh, stewardship time. Why it fell on me because I usually don't preach on that. In fact, I made a vow that I would preach only on the gospel and uh, I had a real hard time putting the gospel and tithing together. So, you will have two sermons but they're fairly short, so the addition will be about the same amount of time. Well, in today's parable that we just read from the gospel according to St. Matthew, Jesus speaks about a king who invites many people to a wedding banquet for his son. But surprisingly, none of those invited attend the celebration. They give many different excuses, but the result is that they don't go. God so loves us that he generously offers us his friendship. He offers us his joy and salvation. But frequently we don't accept his gifts. We place our practical concerns, our interests first. And when the Lord is calling to us, it is so often not heard or sometimes even we find it annoying. God often experiences refusal and rejection on the part of those he loves and gives too freely. The Old and New Testament are full of God being disappointed. His love for us knows no boundary and seems never to be discouraged. His mercy is truly infinite. That is why the parable he sends, in this parable, he sends his servants to go out to all the byways and invite everyone they meet, both good and bad people without any distinctions. It is surprising and bewildering that bad persons are also invited. Our Lord excludes no one from his call. The invitation that many had rejected is now offered to people who previously had not been part of his circle of acquaintances, people with no relation to him. Men and women from every background and social condition, even those who do not pray or even know much about God, all are called to holiness, to share in the glory of heaven. No one is excluded. God's generous invitation to participate in heavenly glory is free and universal. The gospel continues. When the king came in, however, and he took a look at the guests, he saw there a man who had no wedding garment. Oops. Everyone there had been invited, like all of us are invited to salvation. The door is open for anyone who wishes to enter. But before enjoying glory, there will be judgment. The supreme judge who can discern the deepest recesses of our heart will decide what is of value in each person's life. How we have loved the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength, and with all our mind, and loved our neighbor as ourselves. Then will the conduct and the secrets of our hearts be brought to light. Saint Augustine, when commenting on the parable said, So what is this wedding garment? The Apostle Paul in Timothy says, what we are aiming at is the love that springs from a pure heart, a good conscience and sincere faith. That is the wedding garment. Paul is not talking about just any kind of love. For one can often see dishonest people loving others but one does not see among them this love that springs from a pure heart, a good conscience and sincere faith. Now that is the love that is the wedding garment. Jesus' parable makes clear that whatever one's past actions may have been, the indispensable condition is to wear the wedding garment. That is, to have our soul clean and a repentant heart to embrace a way of life that gives testimony to love for God and neighbor. Accepting the free gift of grace and salvation offered through our beloved Jesus Christ is the only way we can be transformed and able to wear the wedding garment. Jesus, who invites everyone to his table, demands respect in approaching it. Thus St. Paul reminded the Christians of Corinth and us that before approaching the banquet of the Eucharist, a sacrament where we receive a foretaste of heavenly glory, we need to examine the, the conscience carefully. Let a man examine himself and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment upon himself. Truly for many are called, but few are chosen. Jesus did not ask the Jewish leaders to comment on this parable as he did, uh, he had done with the previous two parables that we, we heard about in the last couple of weeks, where in each case, they condemned themselves by their answers. He knew they would not be trapped again because it was now obvious that the whole trust of the parables was to condemn them. Their only purpose now, heating up to a fury, was to trap and condemn him to death. The gospel invitation is sent to everyone because it is not the Father's will that a single person be excluded from his kingdom and perish. But not everyone wants God And many who claim to want him do not want him on his terms. Those who are saved enter God's kingdom because of their willing acceptance of his sovereign, gracious provision through the Jesus, the Christ. Those who are lost are excluded from the kingdom because of their willing rejection of that same sovereign grace provided through Jesus, the Christ. Well, let us pray. Almighty God, you have chosen us, picked us out for special awareness of your love. Not because we are better than other people, not because we are good or strong or clever, but because your love is free, persistent, and most of all, merciful. We thank you. And now we'll have a short break as we go into the second part of the sermon. I would be reluctant and and really not appropriate for me not to thank the Lord God that he has worked with me because this past week I probably couldn't go one minute without coughing. So please forgive me if one slips by, but so far so good. All right, so now a word about stewardship. Well, we have come to the time of the year, as most of you know, I'm sure, that the church begins to talk about stewardship. Well, this year it has fallen on me to begin the discussion. Uh, I tried to see if I could tie giving to the church to today's gospel, and as I mentioned, I really had a difficulty, and I would have to stretch it. So, please bear with me as I cover this, as this is an area I don't preach on very often. I hope I do with some some respect. (laughs) Well, one... Aspect of good stewardship we are most that we are most familiar with is found obviously in the Old Testament, and it refers to tithing, and you'll hear that word often. Well, Proverbs 3:9 states, "Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your produce." In Genesis, we see the emergence of tithing as a way of giving back to God's work on earth when Abraham offered a tenth of his spoils of war to the priest Melchizedek, for the religious duties of the community. And he was kind of a, um, an archetype really of our Lord Jesus Christ. In Leviticus 2730, it says a tenth of the produce of the land, whether grain or fruit, is the Lord's and is holy. The tithe supported the Levites, the priests. The prophet Malachi urged the people of Israel to faithfully tithe, emphasizing that by doing so, they would experience God's blessing. While the New Testament does not explicitly command tithing in the same way as the Old Testament, it does emphasize the principles of generosity, stewardship, and giving towards the church. The New Testament encourages believers to give cheerfully and sacrificially, not merely as a legalistic obligation, but tithing them becomes more of a spiritual act. The Apostle Paul had a great burden for the poor Christians in Jerusalem. And everywhere he went, he took up money to help them. He had appealed to the churches of northern Greece an area called Macedonia, they had responded in a magnificent fashion as acts of grace. He writes to the Christians in Southern Greeks, in Corinth specifically, and asks them to do the same thing. Basically, he uses the generosity of the Macedonians as a good example for the Corinthians to follow. All that we believe about Christian giving must begin with truth that giving is an act of grace. When Paul speaks of the grace given to the Macedonians, he means that as they had received the grace of God, so now that same grace motivated them to give to the poor saints in Jerusalem. They received grace and they gave grace. Freely you receive, and freely you give. This is the pattern of Christian giving. Grace stands at the bottom of all that we do as Christians. We love him because he first loved us, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God always makes the first move. We are the receivers always. And even if we give, it is because we first have received grace from the Lord. What is the significance of tithing besides our own personal spiritual growth? Well, simply stated, it is to support Christ's church on earth. Tithing reflects obedience to God's commands and trust in his provision. Believers demonstrate their faith by giving a portion of their resources back to God. Tithes and offerings contribute to the financial stability of churches and ministries. They enable religious institutions to carry out their missions, support the clergy, and engage in community outreach. Tiding is often seen as a way to express gratitude to God for his blessings. By giving back, believers acknowledge that all that they have comes from God. Let us pray.